0: In this episode, we're chatting to Brooke Davis, owner and author at Your Wild Books, about her journey from owning her own nature play business, Your Wild Imagination, to now being an author of over seven books. We'd like to acknowledge the traditional owners and custodians of the lands on which we work, the Kabi Kabi and Gabi Gubby people. We recognize their continuing connection to the land and waters and thank them for protecting this coastline and its ecosystems since time immemorial. We pay our respects to elders past and present, and extend that respect to all First Nations people listening today.
1: Welcome to Raising Wildlings, a podcast about parenting, alternative education, and stepping into the wilderness, however
0: that looks, with your family. Each week, we'll be interviewing experts that truly inspire us to answer your parenting and education questions. We'll also be sharing stories from some incredible families that took the leap and are taking the road less traveled.
1: We're your hosts, Vicky and Nikki from Wildlings Forest School. Pop in your headphones, settle in and join us on this next adventure.
0: Hello and welcome to the Raising Wildlings podcast. I'm your host, Nikki Farrell. Before we start, please don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so that it lands in your library every week and you don't miss an episode. And please tag us in any of your Instagram stories of your favourite quote or takeaway this week. But we're going to get straight into it today. Let's hear from Brooke. Good morning and welcome to the show, Brooke. Thank you so much for coming along. Thank you so much for having me. Our absolute pleasure. How are you
1: today on this beautiful spring day? I'm really well, actually. It is glorious and spring weather here today. We've had a fair bit of rain, but um, today it's wonderful. I'll be heading
0: outside after I hop off this call. Yeah, yay. It's the same. It's a bluebird day here and I haven't had my daily dose of vitamin D, so We'll need to go have a cover on the deck I think afterwards. <laughs> Sounds great. Yeah so let's get straight into it. Can you jump in and tell us all about how you started Wild Imagination and then further from that how you got to where you are now owner and author of seven books and two sets of cards is that right? That is correct yes. Yeah with your wild books because I just I just love what you've done but would, I'd love for everyone to hear your journey as well.
1: Great okay so um, I suppose stepping right back to when I had a, let's call it, real job, corporate (laughs) job, Um, and that was when I had my daughter, who's now 10, Um, I had planned to go back to the workforce, but um, as often happens, uh, they weren't willing to be flexible with my work arrangements um, so I started a consulting company, um, which mostly was just me <laughs> for quite a long time. Um, and that was in the marketing and graphic design space. So that's where my kind of background and um university studies were and all that sort of thing. So I did
0: that for Beautiful, a while. That steady guy.
1: Yes, yes. So <laughs> I, I use all of those skills and even now, obviously I, I design the books and games and all sorts of things myself, which um I find really enjoyable. Um, But yeah, so I started that for a while and then it kind of got to the point where um, I was looking for something else, um, something a bit more, and my daughter was um, about to start school. And, you know, what we had available to us at the time was, you know, very, uh, our local school was, you know, very traditional kind of um, heavily indoors program. Um, And I just thought to myself, how ridiculous is it that kids have such a vastly different um, childhood than than what I did, you know, 30-something years ago? Um, So I I thought of starting a nature plate program. It was something that, um, you know, I enjoyed doing with my kids. Um, My daughter's kindy did really well and, you know, I just thought that the school-age children really just missed out once they hit that five-year-old age group. Um, So I started this program called Wild Imagination and that was in 2016. And where did you start that? Um, I I had a bit of an out out of the box sort of thinking and, you know, people please learn from my mistakes. Do not do it this way because (laughs) (laughs) it was really hard. Um, but what I did was I worked with the local council where I lived and um, I hired a space from them. So I had to pay them for the space. Um, I fenced it, um, brought in toilets and water and shelter and all the play equipment and all that sort of thing. It was um a lot of work to manage everything. Um, I also hired a bunch of amazing staff to help me run the program. So my background is not in education um, and childcare. So I employed some wonderful humans to help me with running the program and, you know, who could bring their own sort of flavour to to the activities and to, to, um, you know, having fun with the kids. And that really was what it was all about, the whole uh, driving force behind Wild Imagination was to um, have fun in nature and because, you know, kids need that to be able to connect with it. And um, if they don't have that connection, they're not going to be able to care for it when they are grown. Yeah, and I think that's going to be the biggest challenge of, you know, this next generation is, is caring for the environment and doing all we can to protect it. So I wanted to be able to do my part and um, so I established this uh, wild imagination program and it was a school holiday program. So, um, you know, for the whole uh, length of the school holidays um, and, you know, several weeks in the in the summer holidays, we would set up this big space and have uh, mud play and water play and loose parts and um, just all this open-ended um, activities that kids could sort of self-direct and choose what they wanted to do. And it was really successful and I loved I loved it, um, but it was a very um, intense and draining kind of experience. And I had a lot going on personally at the same time. So yeah, um, I, I did that for about three years. And over that time, we had about 20,000 kids come through the program. We did yeah, really great things at like Adelaide Fringe and other events um, here in South Australia. And yeah, it was really wonderful. And it taught me so much about um, the activities that children kind of gravitate towards and what they like to do. And so many times when you set something up and you think that the kids are going to really enjoy it and then they're like, actually, no, I'm going to do it this way or... (laughs) You Know so yeah. it was a really great <laughs> lesson, yeah. It was a really great lesson in kind of just being guided by them and um and seeing you know
0: what they were interested in doing. Mm. How did you go juggling children and school holiday work, assuming oh. they went to school?
1: Yeah, my daughter did. So, yeah. my eldest uh, she came with me to the, the program. Um, she was my little sidekick, she was amazing. I mean, you know, such long days that we did. Uh, you know, because it was essentially a a vacation care program, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, often they were like 7.30 until, um, you know, 5.36 o'clock and she would just, you know, play and made so many new friends and it was wonderful. But it was a huge juggle and my son was only young, Um, you know, at the time I started, he was only one year old. So um, he was in kindergarten. He was (laughs) bowing down. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, what was I thinking, right? <laughs> Having a one-year-old and a five-year-old to to continue with. Um, well, actually, she was four at the time, but when I started, anyway,
0: it was a lot. Our best ideas come, honest. I swear, once we have babies, there's something about that pause when we're nap trapped that our mm. brain just go, and all these creative ideas probably come and we go, yeah. I can do that or I'm inspired yeah. to do that. And then the reality yeah. is sometimes a bit harder.
1: <laughs> um, absolutely, it is. Absolutely. And I, I look at you guys and I think how wonderful it is that you've got each other. Yeah. I think that um, the Wild Imagination Program would have kept going if I had had, you know, a mm. sidekick essentially or, you know, a business partner to be able to, you know, shoulder those things with. I think um, doing it on your own is is something that's really challenging. Loved it, learned so much, but, um, yeah, happy to be doing the books now. Tell us about that transition. Yeah, so I kind of got to a point where i um, not afraid to say that I was entirely burned out and needed a mental break yeah. um, and an opportunity presented itself and i um, grateful to my husband and family for agreeing to it, but I actually went to Nepal for a hiking trek Um and spent 12 days away and just really, you know, there was no technology, no internet, nothing. Um, just walked in nature for 12 days and met some wonderful humans and it was an amazing experience. And um, before that time, not long before that time, so I decided I'd take, you know, a six-month break from the events and sort of see um, how it kind of panned out. Um And then before that time, I'd had this um, really vivid dream, actually, which sounds a bit woo-woo, but um, it was the most vivid dream I think I've ever had that I had written a book. And I woke up and I was like, oh, my gosh, this is my next thing. I I need to write a book. And, you know, I thought, oh, yeah, sure. It'll be like one book and, you know, that'll be done. Um, So when I was in Nepal, I had the brain space and the time to really plan it out. Um, And by the time that I'd finished planning out what I thought would be one book. I had more than 100 activities that I thought (laughs) I could put in this one book and, you know, had all these other wonderful (laughs) ideas about teaching people sustainability tips and all this sort of stuff. So yeah, obviously much more than one book. And I've I still refer back to that list actually that I made in Nepal. Um, you know, there's still lots of things on there that I haven't tackled yet. That's so really cool. Yeah. So when I came back, I just um started to learn everything I could really about self-publishing. I didn't, I decided not to seek a traditional publisher um, after learning about some of the issues that that industry yeah. has.
0: Well done. Um,
1: yeah, it's been a challenge for sure, but yeah. I think it's been much more rewarding for me um, than if I had sought a traditional publisher. Um, so many people in the publishing industry have said to me that, um, you know, if you want to be an author, you also have to have another job because you can never rely on your um, author payments because uh, they just pay you so little and they, you know, don't, um, you know, once your book has been out for a few months and they just don't focus on you anymore. Mm. So. Yeah, I went down the self-publishing route and um, in, in I think it was about March uh, 2019 I decided to, I found my amazing photographer um, who's also a local woman
0: the here. Photographs are stunning. Thank you. Can I just say oh, yeah. of all the nature play craft books that we have had in our library as a, you know, nature play business, yours is the most aesthetically pleasing. I can look at it and go, ah, whereas other Aww. books I look at and I go,
1: ooh. This was my this was my plan, because when I was researching things for the for the program, I would buy all these books and I would go on Pinterest and I would look at all social media and all these things. And it just wasn't, you know, some so of the things ugly. I so ugly. That out yes. Or, or they that they were time. illustrated. you know and I'm like kids can't connect with illustrations you know adults can understand them a bit more but you know if you're a four or five year old you're going to look at an illustration of how to make a magic wand and you're going to go oh you know I don't really know what to do. And why all the primary colours? Yes exactly exactly so that was what I wanted to do make a really beautiful book that you know parents and kids loved to look at Um, and I was really fortunate to find Megan um who's my photographer you can find her on Instagram at sweet little light she's a wonderful human um and then we yeah just started shooting the book and you know had a range of activities and um she did this the amazing edits and i think you know like you say that the the pictures are so beautiful i actually had somebody one time tell me that they were too beautiful and the children were dressed too nicely which is hilarious but if you really look at the crafts like they're made by children you know like They're beautifully edited photographs, but it's craft for kids that are made by kids. Um, Some of them have had, you know, a little bit of adult assistance, particularly when the kids were a bit younger. Um, But yeah, it really is about that authentic kind of connection to,
0: you know, you can make this, but then make it your own. It's not prescriptive in any way. There's also a thousand of those other kind of books as well. I think you've really Mm. hit a beautiful niche and a beautiful target market. And it's stunning enough to be a coffee table book. And I love that it can be a work of art in itself. And that when you open it, it feels like art, really like art, art. And I I love that juxtaposition of, yeah, children can create that. And it might not look exactly like that. But when you're looking at it, you go, oh, I really want to make that. And I love that about your book.
1: Oh, thank you so much. Mm. Thank you. Yeah, so there's four now, four of those um, craft books. Mm. Um, The first one we did a Kickstarter campaign for, um,
0: which was a really fun and crazy experience. How was that? Can you tell us a bit more about that? Because we haven't had anyone on that's kickstarted anything. I'd love to hear more about that.
1: Yeah. So I set a goal, uh, which I thought would be entirely reasonable and achievable, but turned out to be incredibly stressful, Um, (laughs) (laughs) which was $30,000. And that was because I wanted to raise enough money to print the books in Australia. It was really important to me to keep everything local. Mm -hmm. We still print here in Adelaide. Um, and exactly. we use yeah, local people as much as possible um, and environmental, you know, papers and, you know, vegetable based inks and all that sort of stuff. So it was really important for me to, to do that um, and to be able to kind of get some economies of scale. I needed to print a reasonable amount in the first um, print run. And I was like, oh, sure, you know, $30,000, that that that'll be OK. Um, we did make it. We actually raised thirty three thousand in the end, which was amazing, um, and we're able to print um, with with the local company here, in which we still print with them to this day. Some people
0: might not know that with Kickstarter, you set a goal, but if you don't reach it, is this correct that the money doesn't go to you? It goes back to the people that donated it. Yeah, so that's, that's why correct. it's so stressful.
1: It is so yes. stressful because of that. Yeah. So, you know, in the first the first, you know, few days we, you know, reached ten thousand dollars. I was like, great, we're gonna, it's gonna bay. be amazing. Shoe in. Yeah, no, it really was down to the last few hours. It wasn't um didn't tick over until the last few hours. So you're right, nobody gets charged until um the project successfully reaches their goal. Um so, so it's a it is really stressful. It's quite a popular way for, for authors, independent authors, to raise money for their books. So um, yeah, I encourage anyone who's interested. There's lots of wonderful projects on Kickstarter that you can pledge, you know, small amounts to and it helps people like me, you know, um follow their dreams. So go yeah. for it.
0: It's a one I love, I love backing things like that. New and you know, new inventions or products or books or mm. like you said, it, it's a way we get out of the corporate capitalist kind of society and we community loan that's what I love mm-hmm. about it. it's essentially a community loan that you're taking or a community donation and you know for passion projects like oh it's a great way to fund out yes yeah I wholly agree so tell us how the self publishing went the self publishing has worked
1: out really well for me um because I think I have that background in graphic design and marketing I can um you know use those skills to promote my books. Um, It's definitely a lot of work though. Um, You know, so many people say to me, oh, I'd love to publish my own book. Um, And, you know, maybe one day there'll be be a book about publishing your own book for
0: (laughs) (laughs) I I bet you get a lot of questions.
1: (laughs) I do. I do. And I'm happy to help too because, you know, when I was starting out, there was a couple of people in the publishing industry that, you know, afforded me a a 20-minute phone call and I asked all my questions that I had and, you know, I think that um, in In business in general, in life in general, you know, it's about being collaborative. I don't see it as, you know, competition and, you know, other people who have nature playbooks, great. Everyone, there's space for everyone and, um, you know, happy to share knowledge and all those sorts of things. I I just think that, um, you know, more people should should take a risk and do it. It's, you know, it's not, it's not for the faint of heart, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, But, you know, yeah, it's definitely worth it. It's turned out really well for me.
0: What's been the best part of owning your own businesses and, you know, the difference between Wild Imagination versus your Wild Books? Where, what's the benefit? Like, why is your Wild Books sitting better with you as a person?
1: Uh, I think it's because with, you know, all kind of self-employed people, you that you have a degree of being able to control your own schedule and your own life. With your wild books, I'm able to work around my kids. Um, You know, I don't have to drag them along. I mean, that they hate it at all, but, you know, I don't have to drag them along every day in the school holidays to do what mummy wants. Um, You know, we can just fit it around our lives. And, you know, my husband's got, you know, a job that requires him to be at the office pretty much every day. So for me, having that flexibility has just, um, yeah, it's been a wonderful option for our family. Perfect. Yeah.
0: I love hearing about every, all these women, like we interview a lot of women in business and I just love the number one people say about owning their own business is flexibility and that you're in control of your time. You're in control of when you get out, you're in control of dropping the kids off if you want to and whatnot. And I just, I, you know, you know, people think about income a lot, you know, I'm really worried about taking that risk about income, but I think We need to stop valuing income as much as freedom, Mm. I think, because that's where you can't put a value on that.
1: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, I think you have to have both Yeah, coming from Wild Imagination. And one of the things with Wild Imagination is that it was an incredible program, but financially um, there wasn't really much at all left over for me after I paid all of those um bills Mm. so um you know coming into this space with the books it's been much more financially stable and predictable um I think you'll agree with um what I found with the events was that um it was really weather dependent you know uh, (laughs) people in La Nina
0: this year (laughs) yes
1: Yes, we're a little bit protected from it in South Australia, but <laughs> it's it's been, you know, like even if there's a small, um, you know, forecast of sprinkle of rain, people just won't turn up. And we had, you know, uh, groups cancel and, you know, large large groups of OSH students, for example, that, um, you know, the teacher would make the decision. Yeah. No, you can't go outside and play today because it's going to rain two mils. Mm. Um, and I think starting that, uh, that business, you know, let's not say way back, but it was maybe a bit too early for some um, for some people in, in 2016. I
0: mean, so important in small business.
1: Yeah, yeah, lots of educators and parents, you know, kind of have that, um, needed to have that education about, you know, nature play is for all types of weather. You know, there's no such thing as bad weather unless it's a thunderstorm or something. Um, but, you know, I think that, yeah, it really... Now it's a lot more widely spoken about that, um, you know, the benefits of nature play and, you know, why you should get outside um, no matter the weather, just dress differently. Um, yeah. We certainly do that. We all have, you know, head-to-toe wet weather gear and, you know, some days we choose not to go outside if it's, you know, if it doesn't suit us, but we still can if we want to. Um, it's, we're not restricted by, um, you know, a bit of water falling from the sky.
0: Yeah. We've had to be really explicit in our confirmation emails and our marketing and whatnot that, you know, we're a business and if you pay, we've got staff turning up, we've got gear that we're resourced for. You know, if it's bad, if it's quote unquote bad weather, because there is no such thing, it's unless it's dangerous, we run. And if you choose to cancel, you know, you don't get your money back because we've, we have waiting lists now too. So By you cancelling, you're stopping 15 to 20 other people from taking that space. So Mm. I think putting up really, for other people listening that are in that position, putting up really, really transparent boundaries about what you will and won't do in wet weather, put it on your frequently asked questions, because it is. It is still a barrier. It's not, again, I think you're right. Even us in 2017 when we started compared to now, people just know. You go to wildlings, you get wet. (laughs) It's Mm -hmm. raining. (laughs) Or you don't turn yes. up, you know, like it's, or, or you shouldn't because you should have the right gear. Like we really push that as well. So, yeah, the time you you ride, right, it has, the market has changed as well. Mm-hmm. And OSHAs will come and they will get wet now. They don't cancel in wet weather as well because we don't refund them either. They pay up front and they don't get refunded. So, if they don't want to come and get wet, then they don't come. Full stop. Yes,
1: <laughs> yes. it's definitely a good business lesson. Have you know, yeah. very clear terms and conditions. And yeah, for other people wanting to start up their own nature play group and things like that. Yeah, I, I would hundred percent look thoroughly. Yeah, we learned
0: that the hard way too.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. Learn so many things the hard way. It's nice oh, to have lessons
0: from others. Isn't it? Yeah. So yes. going back to your books, you know, we use them for our programs with with children, but. I love some of the crafts and they are they're not aimed at just small children either. Tell us who you you you're aiming your books at and and you and what kind of books you've got too because you've got a variety now as well.
1: Yeah, I do. Um so I've got a four book series which is all about nature craft. So that's the it's full of photos um all of the kind of activities that we've done so far that you can make things with nature play with nature it's about the connection with nature um so the first book is called wild imagination and that one if you're looking to start I would say start with that one it depends on the age of your child that one's probably best for um kids between four and eight or ten mm. it's pretty loose though because um you know it's all of the activities are adaptable to each individual child's abilities So, for example, in the Wild Imagination book, um, you can, one of the activities is making magic wands. And you might think, oh, well, that's a really great activity for a, you know, four, five, six-year-old kid, Um, which it is. And, you know, those children might, you know, find their stick and decorate it with some wool, maybe tie a flower on the end. Fabulous. Um, but if you're giving that activity to a 10 or 11 or even a 12-year-old, they might also whittle the stick and they might, you know, carve their name in there and they might use, you know, sort of certain paints or paint pens to decorate it with and they make it more elaborate. So, um, and also adults love to say, be crafty. <laughs> I like making magic wands of crystals. <laughs> Yes, me too. I love making magic wands. And then it's the thing of that it's not it's not a you know, a closed kind of activity. So once you make the magic wand, what can you then do with it? And it's about you know encouraging independent play, creative play, um you know, just ig- engaging that imagination. Um, so, yeah, all of the books can be adapted to all different age groups. I've even had um some people say to me that they use them in aged care situations. So you know, working with elderly, because those are some of the things that they perhaps did when they were younger as well and evoking some memories. So, yeah, it's for all ages, all abilities, but if you want to be more specific, uh, the first book, yeah, is definitely for that younger age group. There's a few things in there like making mud cakes and magic potions that the younger children really enjoy, Um, lots of great sensory things. And then the second book is called Wild Child, which has got a few more activities which, you know, require a little bit more fine motor skills like um, tying knots to like make boats and rafts, that sort of thing. Um, The third book is really great for uh, the festive season coming up and it's called Mm. Wild Celebrations Um, and that one has got lots of activities for Christmas, so like making whittled Santas, how to make a Christmas wreath, um, Christmas star, that sort of thing. And then there's also Easter activities, which are so fun. Um, You can make a little Easter bunny crown, like a flower crown, but with Easter bunny um, ears on it and, yeah, a whole bunch of other things as well as a nature play um, birthday party plan. So that was something that I really want, like I could have done a whole book just on that. You um, but, you know, share.
0: <laughs> Add it to the list uh, book.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's on the list. Um, because, you know, like you go to these birthday parties and it's just like lots of like plastic and, you know, different games that, you know, so we provided some activities that kids could do as like games at the party. Um, some ideas for what you could do as a plastic-free party favour, that sort of thing. So, um, yeah, that one came out last year. That was really, really popular for Christmas. And then we've just
0: released a new book, um, well, two weeks ago really. I was going to say I haven't seen this yet, Mm. so I'm excited to hear about it.
1: Yes. So it's called Wild Projects for Families. So as the name suggests, it's got um, sort of DIY activities and adventures that families can do together and that one was really fun to, to make. Um, so, yeah, things like more complicated things like building a mud kitchen. So it's got all the steps and the um, things that you'll need to build a mud kitchen. Other things that are a bit more simple like making a hiking stick and going hiking or geocaching together. But it really is just about um, ways that families can connect uh, with the, with each other and with the environment and, you know, like making a bug hotel um that sort of thing so yeah it's and that one is just for families of with kids of all ages because um you know the older they get the more that they can be involved and it's about using real tools which is amazing for risk um you know like teaching kids about risk and um taking care of themselves and other people um so yeah that that was a really fun book to make
0: i can't wait to see one that one i think that'll be It will be good for all families, but I think our homeschool families will really love that too because a lot of them are project-based learners. So that'll be super exciting. Yay. Yes. We'll have those in our shop when this goes out. So if anyone's interested in purchasing those, we'll put them in the shop. Wonderful. Wonderful. Amazing. Yeah. I love that focus on the craft, nature craft and nature projects. And nature is for everyone and for all ages, I think you know, some people look at the book and go, oh, that's pretty uh, nature crafts. That's cute and sounds fun, but it's deeper in that. Like what, what's your purpose behind the books?
1: Yeah, it absolutely is deeper than that. I think, you know, when, when kids are doing the activities, that's what they're thinking. Oh, this is fun. This is, you know, a, a great thing to do, but it is about the deeper nature connection. Um, and the thing that why I really love doing that in book format is because, um, so often kids are prescribed what to do. You know, like I said earlier, I set something up for my kids and they're like, ah, no, lady, we're not doing that. <laughs> um, but when you give them a book and you say, you know, choose something, they have that ability, you know, they they feel empowered to, ch- to have the choice. Um, so when they, you know, you give them the book and they flip through, they can, you know, collect the things themselves and and, you know, choose which way and they want to do it. Um, and it really is about teaching them about that independent play and the child-led learning, and um, yeah, it just it's it's a different way rather than the kind of adult-directed stuff. Which um, you know, if if you don't have a book, for example, you might go on the internet or you might go somewhere else to sort of find your inspiration. Um, but when it's in a book format, the child can just yeah flip through the pages, find what they want to do, and and do it. Yeah.
0: And none of it's, none of the equipment that you need in these books is extremo. Like You'll have most of the stuff laying around the house. You might need one or two things, which you and I both stock, you know, the whittling knives and whatnot, but yeah, or, or poster pens, you know, you can pick those up easily, but you stock those. It's nothing in there is, you won't get to a project and go, oh, well, we can't make that. That's again, yeah. what I love about it. It's really accessible. Uh, and the things that you've got in there are affordable too. So it's accessible to everyone to make these things. So it's, it's just great. I just love them.
1: <laughs> yeah, thank you. And that was entirely, you know, when we're choosing the activities, that's, you know, they have to pass those tests. You know, are the materials easily accessible? Are they affordable? Even in the Wild Families book, we've sort of put things in there that, you know, you can go and purchase things if you, you know, desire or have the funds to. But you can also just find like pallets on the side of the road and, you know, random bits and pieces from your garage or from your home. Um, but mostly it is about nature and the craft books, um, you know, the idea behind all of those things is that at the end of their life, at the end of their play, that they can be composted um, and that they don't need to go into landfill, which I think, you know, so many of kids' crafts, um, they have that, they, they just end up in, the, we call it the sad bin um, oh. because <laughs> land landfill's pretty sad. They end up oh, in stuff. I actually <laughs> like that. That's
0: a real, like, should it go in here? No. Yeah. That might make the yeah. planet sad. Yes,
1: oh. <laughs> we did. We used to use that at the Wild Imagination Program. We actually had a seven-bin system wow. at, at Wild Imagination and we had, yeah, food for chooks. And can you step me through seven bins? Yeah,
0: sure. <laughs> if you can remember them all.
1: Yeah, so there was the sad bin, which was the smallest bin, um, and then there was uh, regular recycling, soft plastics recycling, um, there was like small plastics and foil because sometimes in, particularly in the Easter school holidays, lots of kids came with a uh, little, you know, Easter eggs That's and foil. Really good so we collected those and, and we all, you know, we talked about like, why, why are we doing this? You know, why do we not just chuck everything in one bin like you
0: might do at school?
1: Um, and then the we the had to the even thing. have
0: recycling. My last, <laughs> one had no recycling with yeah. only 3000 students in it. Oh my gosh. How awful. No, Again, how are we meant to raise children to know how to look after the planet when we don't even have simple recycling?
1: Yeah. That blows my mind, Mm. doesn't it? I mean, there's so many things that we could change in the education system, but that's, you know.
0: Save that question for our rapid fire.
1: Okay. Okay, I've lost count. I think I was up to, like, the chook bin and... Oh and just reg- there's some food that my chooks wouldn't wouldn't eat so there was another like green waste bin but we taught all the kids well done that's amazing you know, they're such they just absorb it you know they don't okay. um get confused like sometimes adults can about which
0: what goes in what bin so so true. Oh, that's amazing. And and it's that, isn't it? It's that role modelling and and the education, and then they go home and pass it on to their parents. Who go, oh, all right. I guess we'll start a soft plastic collection. And yes. What makes? I it did
1: difference. particularly nag the children about that one <laughs> <laughs> with the chip packets and whatnot. I'm like, you know, it's just, yeah, it's a simple thing that we can do for the planet. You know, everyone does their part, and you know, this is one thing that you can do. Yeah,
0: that's it. That's amazing. Oh, so good. Now. Are you ready for some rapid fire questions? Absolutely. All right. You're allowed to be biased in this one. What's your favorite book? <laughs> wink wink <No>.
1: <laughs> <laughs> of all time. Uh, asking why? me what my favorite book is is like choosing my favorite child.
0: Or what um, are you currently reading? Because I too have that, I feel exactly the same way about that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, I actually am not reading a good book at the moment. I, I won't name the book that I'm trying to read, but I just can't get into it. I, I'm mostly a non-fiction reader, but I have been trying mm. to dabble in fiction. But um, you know, I'm an early riser, so the evening reading time is is tough for me. I probably more listen to podcasts. Well, what's your um, that's
0: go for podcasts? We've I'll be biased
1: here. It's yours. <laughs> um I really like listening to your podcast. I also oh, really I think- like um uh, it's called How I Built This, which is uh, a business podcast. Yeah, yeah. I find it really inspirational again, learning from other people and, and hearing about their journeys. Um, so that's one that I really enjoy as well. isn't it? Sarah, Cause, yeah.
0: Because none of them are instant overnight successes. They all Absolutely. feel like they are, but all of them have done those hard yards in the first five, ten years. Yeah. Then they've yep. become an overnight success.
1: <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. Exactly. And another one that I really enjoy is Sarah Wilson's podcast, which is called Wild. Yes,
0: yep. I actually haven't listened to that in a while. I was on a, I binged and I loved it and then just forgot to, I don't think it was, in, you know, when you're not subscribed and it doesn't come to your library. So on yes. that night, make sure you subscribe to our podcast <laughs> <laughs> so that it's in your library because that's what it's yes. Yeah. Yep. Uh, yeah, that's a great one as well. All right, next question. Where do you go? What do you do to reset after a rough day?
1: For me, I like to do gardening. I have a large garden. It's full of weeds, so I always have something to do. Um, so that's where I would, um, that because it's easy, you know, it's accessible for me. Um, if I was able to leave the house, <laughs> mm. you know, if I didn't have the kids here or whatever, I would go for a hike. Um,
0: Where's your favourite hike around Adelaide?
1: Um, I really love going to Morialta. Uh, conservation park
0: the first thing that came to my head because like, yeah. i'm originally from Sejuna. so oh, wow. i lived in adelaide for a couple of years and that was my favorite hike in adelaide so yeah yeah I yeah, that yeah. Hike, it's beautiful mm. i think the fact that it has full waterfalls which unless you grew up in you know northern territory south australia wa you just don't understand <laughs> 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 how amazing waterfalls are because they're everywhere here like Six or seven beautiful accessible ones within half an hour's drive of my house here
1: Yeah, in mean, SA. we like, are
0: so lucky. I am so lucky. We are so spoilt here. Moriartas is beautiful. It it's is. just that there's not many of them.
1: No, <laughs> it's no, Australia. and they don't run the whole year round either. In the summer they're bone dry, so,
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, so if you're on the east coast, please appreciate your waterfalls because not, not all of us are so lucky. <laughs> mm, absolutely. Uh, all right, here's your big one. It doesn't have to be rapid fire. If you could choose just one thing to change about the education system, what would it be?
1: Oh, it's such a big question, isn't it? It is not it yeah. Um, look, I guess it's incorporating nature into, into the curriculum and into the learning um, and it doesn't need to be difficult. And I think this goes for everyone, homeschoolers, you know, parents, grandparents. It doesn't need to be hard, you know, um, just incorporating some nature into your art lessons or you know into maths you can use you know gum nuts or leaves and you know do things like that that just bring a little bit of nature connection in every day um I think that's that's the thing that I would change as well as um proper recycling programs (laughs) small
0: things (laughs) big things (laughs) yes
1: yes I think you know when you multiply that over you know over all the students in in Australia and you know a, and elsewhere, it would just make such a such a huge difference. Yeah,
0: you you know what it came down to in a school our size was um, was budget because the cleaners would have to empty the bins so to empty that many recycling bins and then to actually sort them so it was worth collecting the recycling. It was budget. Mm. So, again, mm. everything in education comes back to budget.
1: <laughs> yeah, so interesting. Actually, at my daughter's school, um, she's in year five now, they, the five, year five and six students um, empty the recycling bins. So that's one of their jobs that they do in the morning before they start their learning. So there's always ways around it. It is. You know, if you the classrooms,
0: and the children do all the cleaning in the classrooms and hmm. I think that really makes children treat their classrooms with a bit more love. <laughs>
1: hmm. Yes. And yeah. some good lessons for accountability yeah. um, that they can transfer
0: to home. <laughs> <Yeah>. love it. <laughs> we wish. <laughs> good news, good news. Oh. Um, and finally, how can we find out more about your work, Brooke? Uh, the website's The Best Place, which is yourwildbooks.com. Um, we're also
1: on Facebook and Instagram at Your wild And, yeah, we have the books as well as a beautiful range of eco-friendly craft supplies. Um, the, the things that we kind of bring into the shop are specifically related to the books, so it's not just any old thing and they have to obviously... Um, you know, fit with our uh, ethics and sustainability principles. So, um, yeah, if you and I know that there's we've got lots of
0: crossover with the wildling shop too. So, um, yeah. And we're all about collaboration. I don't care where people get this stuff from as long as they get outside. (laughs) Yes, I
1: agree. And I think, you know, we've been talking about Christmas a lot here um, because, you know, the, the gifting season's about to kind of begin um, mm. and I think that if people can keep in mind about shopping local and the environmental impact upon um what they're purchasing, you know we can we can all really make a big difference if we um if we just choose um yeah, small business and uh, slow rather than fast.
0: Um, yeah, and checking the ethics of the small businesses, you know is it is it fast fashion? Is it like your like you said your books are printed, they're local. They're great inks. It's all that stuff, and it does. It makes a massive difference, particularly in this time of year coming up.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
0: I heard you might have a sneaky discount for our listeners too. I
1: do. I do. Um, Everyone is welcome to use the code WILDLINGS10 for 10% off all of our full-priced items. We also have a bunch of things that are already discounted in bundles, so the discount doesn't apply to those, but um, you can get yeah. whole range of great gifts and things
0: um, for 10% off. So we'll have um, Brooks products discounted 10% until the end of the year as well. Exciting. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. wonderful. (laughs) Awesome. All right. Thank you so much for coming on. It's been a pleasure to actually meet you. We were saying we've had so many email communications and we follow each other on socials that (laughs) it's nice to actually meet. But thank you for making the time and I hope your Christmas run goes smoothly and well done on I'm just I just love watching people's business um journeys from you know corporate jobs to creating your own business and then finding your niche you know you had wild imagination it wasn't the right fit at the time Mm. but that didn't mean you gave up you just created what worked for you and I just I love that so kudos to you
1: thank you so much thank you and yeah to anyone out there listening that wants to start their own thing you know, go for it. And there's people around. And I think that you guys have a, a course that you that you run as well about starting yeah. a wild business. And, um, you know, the more the merrier, I think we can all make, a, make our impact and um,
0: yeah, just take the leap. I love what you said earlier, which was, I just wish more people would take the risk because I don't think it's a risk if you're looking for flexibility and you're looking to take, con- not control, but looking to run what you want to run and create your own dream. I think that's the big difference in small business, whatever that is. Mm. It doesn't have to be a wild business. It could be books. It could be art. It could be anything, but you get to run your own ship and that's really valuable. Mm. It is. Yeah, it is. It's really enjoyable. Thanks so much, Brooke.
1: And hopefully we'll see you in Adelaide sometime maybe. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you so much for having
0: me. Have I mentioned how much I love this job? (laughs) I just love the spectrum of of people. You know, we talk to people that have done our wild business course and are starting their own businesses. We speak to people that have um, started them without doing a course like Brooke. And Brooke is one of the first people that has started one that, that I know of, started one and moved on. And I love her perspective on it. And I love that, you know, she went from starting her own wild business to becoming an author of nature craft books. I really loved how, she has had this amalgamation of skills from previous jobs and lives, and they all just seem to have accumulated and landed her here as an author, but still following her passion, you know, which is nature and getting children out in nature. but it's tying together her graphics and her, her previous skills, which just goes to show us all that every job we take, no matter how shit it is <laughs> some days, it does. They teach us these transferable skills, the you know older that we get and the more skills that we accumulate and that sometimes finding your purpose means trying something and realizing that it's not actually what you want to do exactly. And really what what you need to start any business is resilience and curiosity and drive. They are the markers of success, the makers of success. It's It's not all of these skills. The skills are helpful, but as you saw in Brooke's case, her skills were transferable, so it didn't matter which job she was doing. She's just found, worked out what her values are and what her purpose is and what she enjoys the most, what the world needs, and she's combined those into something that makes brings her joy Uh, and is hitting all of her success markers. So take this episode as a little reminder to really think about what success means to you. You know, do you want to be cash rich? Do you want to be time rich? That's my big thing. I want time and health. I want to be health rich and relationships rich and community rich. And by doing that, hopefully, you know, I put food on the table and that's what's happened. And then how can you start taking those small or big steps towards that purpose, whatever it is, just food for thought. And if you think that starting a nature to play business or forest school might be your purpose, then you might want to go and check out our signature online course, Your Wild Business, because that's where we deep dive into how to find your purpose and then we map out exactly how to achieve that purpose. It's a Kickstarter program, there's nothing else like it around because you know our industry is such a burgeoning industry. And it's specifically designed for teachers and forest school leaders, outdoor reccees and early years educators who are looking for something more. They're looking for something more than paperwork. They're looking for something more than, you know, they want to be authentic in their roles. They want to work deeply with children and deeply in nature. But maybe you're not quite ready to take that leap into the big wide world of business. That's what this course is for. It'll help you take the guesswork out of starting from scratch And it will help you avoid making the most common mistakes that other people have made when they started their nature play business. So if you're interested, head on over to wildlingsforestschool.com forward slash wild business. And that's where you can check out our free exclusive training. And that will help get you started on the right path towards your own wild business that is deeply rooted in those values of community, of health, of giving back, helping the world of purpose. So if you're keen, again, that's wildlingsboroschool.com backslash wild-business to go and check that out. And until next week, may you go on your search for purpose and stay wild.